This is The Playbook. I have Dan Bruder here. He's the founder of Blendification. Welcome here to SoFi Stadium and Entrepreneurs, The Playbook. No place I'd rather be. Yeah, this is awesome. Thanks for having me. What an incredible setting. Well, I want to start. Blendification is such a great name. But, you know, there's a lot of great names out there, just like there's a lot of great ideas. But there's a lot of substance to blendification and a whole series of different things. So I'm going to start out just so we get a little bit of background. What is blendification? Well, blendification at its core, we're we're basically a software company. And uh, our goal is to connect company focus with employee focus. So um, that's kind of the core of what we do. But underneath that, it's all around technology. But then what are we really trying to do? And if you look at what's going on in business today, people have fallen for this work-life balance myth, you nice. know, yeah, and it's yeah. created this, this adversarial relationship between work and life. And you see people talk about work as if it's this place they hate to go to. Well, it sounds like a place you would hate to go to. I know right? the way they describe it, right? right? It's crazy. And to me, it's like, you know, we spend most of our waking time in work or work-related activities, you know. Why don't we look at work as a place to pursue our human potential? And that to me is blendification, using work as an opportunity to pursue something meaningful in our lives. It's so important, the reason I wanted you to have you on the playbook was I created this idea of activities. Yes. Right, activities I get paid for and activities I don't. In fact, I went to Jeff Morad, who owned the Padres, and I offered him $2 million if he would let me play second base for the Padres. (laughs) And as funny as that sounds, he looked at me, he's like, what are you talking about? He goes, I pay my second baseman $2 million to play. You're willing to pay me to do that, Dave? And I said, absolutely, it's a $4 million turn for you. I said, but the reason I wanna do it is I want to be an example of what people should be doing with their activity, activity they get paid for. Um, Part of that problem is uh, the inherent genetic and genetic inheritance of this idea that struggle needs to be paid for and that we shouldn't be able to play second base for the Padres. That's a dream to get paid $2 million to do that. But believe it or not, I've never played second base for the Padres, but what I do is even greater I get paid more and I'm just as excited today doing what I do as I would be set on second base for the Padres. How can we get people to change their mindset just about the resistance, the struggle that is incorporated into an activity that we get paid for? Well, it takes me back to um, 2017. I went to the Air Force Academy and it was a day acceptance day where the, um, the cadets who just went through basic training went through six weeks of hell, <laughs> right, basically. Literally. And then they were accepted into the cadet wing. But there was a speaker there, and he talked about this concept around earned success. And he, he said to the cadets, he said, every single one of you have done something that you didn't think you could do, and you needed other people to do it, and now you've done it. And you're going to look back on this in your life as one of the most proudest moments of your life. And this concept of earned success, and it was Gary E. Payton, Colonel Gary E. Payton, who talked about this. And he said, earned success is when we work together with people to accomplish things that we didn't think we could do. Then we earn our success and we look back and that's true fulfillment in life. And when we do that, 
we then look back and say, this is what it's all about. Now, how do we actually build that in our lives now? So I look at leaders of organizations as those people that can convey or build the opportunity for earned success. And when I see leaders in companies looking at their companies and their employees and treating their employees like helicopter leaders, they're not allowing people to experience that, that struggle that you're talking about. And when we have people struggle and they succeed, they learn, they grow, they, they, they become who they want to become through these challenges. And we're almost robbing people of that opportunity by not enabling them to experience challenges in their life. And that's the essence of earned success. And I think leaders need to go back to the drawing board and say, let's incorporate, let's incorporate some struggles. And, but we have to build trust first before we do that, right? There needs to be a level of trust. We can't just be hammering people all the time. We have to build trust first, but then build struggles, challenges, and give people that opportunity to earn their success. You know, we know what happens when people don't earn their success. We call those lottery winners, right? What yeah, happens, exactly. you know, after that? Entitled lottery winners and some people entitle themselves. And, you know, through that definition, I've thought about a leader as an intelligent follower. Hmm. And I think it is also aligned with how you become through this earned success. And one of the common denominators that I find with leaders is usually an affinity with sports. Yes. And we see it, especially with women executives today. It's extraordinary. I think in the Fortune 500, over 90 some percent of the women executives played college sports. Yeah. Um, and so this is no accident. It's obviously there's some characteristics and some experiences that we learn through athletics. Uh, and you yourself, self-admittedly, I would have bet that you played some sort of sport in college. And we, we laughed that we were probably about the same level of athlete yeah. being an average <laughs> division three. You said you were below average. I'm not sure I believe that, but they kind of assimilate with one another. What are the characteristics? And the reason I ask is I'm going to then take these characteristics and ask how technology can yeah. apply to the character side, because that's what seems so in, like incredibly valuable to me is to create the AI, the efficiency, the software that allows us to maximize our potential. But what are those characteristics that you have learned as someone who played college sports and has led teams at the highest level in the corporate world? Yeah, I think college sports and even high school sports, um, you know, any being part of a team that's driving for something significant. And um, I think there's a lot of correlation with business because when we look at sports, now at least my teams, I, I was in Florida and we had a very um, diverse football team, right? And we had people from all different backgrounds. We come together, but we knew what we were shooting for. There was no question about that goal, that outcome, what we called success. So our backgrounds, our languages, um, you know, how we grew up, where we grew up, what our socioeconomic incomes, none of that mattered because we're all focused on the same outcome. And then we could break away all those other things. And when we came, what we call a legacy team, you know, in high school, we won some champions. We did pretty well in high school. <laughs> and, and you see these people, when you, when you see these people, it doesn't matter if you haven't seen them for 30 years. You walk up, you give them a hug, you embrace them. And that's what that, this, this idea that I would love to see happen in business. Now, taking that into business, Business should have a common goal or outcome. Should, business is still one of the only places that attracts people from all, the, all these different backgrounds. But when we don't have this common focus, then the business doesn't maximize its own potential. And I have found with those missions, quote unquote, when a business even has a goal, sometimes 
there's no reinforcement of the goals. There's no education of those goals. The goals are too complex or they're not meeting the people where they're at. They're meeting the executive or the board to be some sort of marketing tool, but they're not meeting the people who really need that common yeah. uh, potential pursuit that it exists. How important is it to have a simplification of the common goal, but more importantly, a consistent reinforcement of, hey, remember, this is why we're here. Yeah, that's funny because, you know, we, we look at culture and most companies have a vision or a mission. And most of the times those are just platitudes that are plastered on the wall. Right. We find out that um, it's kind of like a, a alma mater song. Right. Yes. Like 90 <laughs> percent of your graduates, you know, like what's your song? The alma yeah. mater song. Nobody knows it. I know, but they can you, read it. Right? right. They can read it. They can read it, but exactly. they can't Same memorize thing with it. the mission. I find that all the time. So, yeah. It's, how do we take the mission or the vision? We call it a cause and actually put it into the DNA of the organization. Now, a lot of companies talk about culture. What's our culture? And, and I started looking at this several years ago, and I was like, what, what really is culture? And culture is really a collection of habits and behaviors. So if we're gonna define our culture intentionally, we should probably start with defining our habits and our behaviors that roll up to our intention and then our ultimate cause of an organization. And it's really a different take on culture because once we have this, this culture established at the habitual level, because 50% of what we do is a habit, same thing with an organization, right? When we put people together, we want to define those habits. And then once we've done that, we can then develop, you know, what's the plan to get there and then how do we engage people? And um, I think that's what we, we need to be looking at culture as something that's not just uh, a conversation. It's really something we're really peeling away and getting down to the habitual level of the organization and the people that make up that company. And you're blending this activity we get paid for with activity we don't yeah. get paid for with this potential. The other blend that's occurring that really intrigues me because I have a technology background and I'm always looking, how can I make things better with the efficiency, effectiveness, and statistical success of computation and technology? How have you incorporated technology into this fabulous theory? Well, yeah, it's it's been interesting. So first of all, why did I incorporate Great tech? Question. You know, yeah. you know the well, I wouldn't know that answer, but not everybody. So thank so you. For me, for me, um, as a consultant, and I had developed a process I call, um, you know, the blendification platform. Or and system. you wrote a book. And, wrote right. a book yeah. and, and had a consulting process. And I tended to work with the C-suite because that's the only people that would pay for me. Right. Right. And I, I'm like, I, I get that. <laughs> and, and I said, this isn't fair because that's only, you know, 90, that 95 percent of the company I'm not touching now my hope is that what I say to you starts going through, but it doesn't it doesn't really travel through it the dissipates company. very quickly very quickly so I was like the only way to do this is to generate an application that can touch everyone in the company so inside of me what I want to do I want to make sure that I touch the last person at the bottom of the organizational chart that was hired yesterday at the lowest price if I can't touch that person I'm not doing my job so technology, fortunately, gives us the ability to take an organization, develop what its strategic platform is, develop a strategic execution model. That's all business stuff. But that only touches a few people in the company, say 25, 30 people in the company that really own that. Then we need to take that same framework that we use for the business to plan its future, you know, navigating the business's future, take that same framework we call that the strategy whiteboard. Then we created a personal whiteboard. So now we can take that framework and give it to every single employee in the company and say, here, this is for you 
to build your future, looking at all aspects of your life through various different focus lenses. One of them's work, but that's not everything. So now we have a platform where the business plans its future and then the individual employees plan their future at the micro habitual level, they're talking to each other. So at the foundation of all this too is a series of what we call peer groups or networks. We build networks within the organization that build people using a personal whiteboard and a strategy whiteboard. And what happens is they align and they connect. And when we connect work and life, we see tremendous things happen, not only for the business, but for the people. And that's true for f fulfillment, by the way. In my opinion, when we talk to executives, you talk to a lot of executives, they don't talk about all the money they made. At least I hope they don't, I'm not the ones I do. They talk about the t lives they've touched. So how do we touch lives through business and how do we do it through technology? And that's the problem we're solving. What I love about it is identifying the best potential behaviors uh, and habits but then most importantly, one of the things that are the greatest challenge for the C-suite is two components that are utilized in your technology, which is collaboration and coordination. Yeah. And the larger the, the community or the larger the company, the more difficult it is to collaborate and coordinate, not only internally between the activity you get paid for and the activity you don't, the personal or professional pursuits that we have, uh, but this idea of fulfillment is when we do have co-creation, yes. collaboration and coordination. Uh, to get down to a little bit more of the nuts and bolts, what are some of the things in the app that allow for better collaboration and coordination between the entire corporation, regardless of your yeah. position or tenure? So on the business strategy side, we create roots groups. And that is developing change and implementing strategy at the grassroots level in the organization. So there's four roots groups within an organization around your customer and market, product, operations, and people. Those are internal peer groups that are responsible for the execution of the company's strategy. They then connect to others in the organization. On the personal side, each, each person in the company is, has their own personal whiteboard. And now they meet up with what we call offshoots groups. And they have their own personal network to create better connection within the organization at the personal level. So now we have connection at the company's strategic level, business side, and then we have company connection at the personal level individually. So we're really manufacturing, intentionally building networks in the organization. And software, get, I don't think we could do this without software. No, software really helps us do too, it. Yeah, too broad and too general. Um, in this is an aspect of mentorship, coaching, and teaching. Yes. Um, but there's also, I believe, a component that's overlooked at a lot of companies. More companies are concerned with it today, but it's the philanthropic side, the impact side of it. How is impact intertwined with both the four roots yeah. as well as, I imagine, the personal whiteboard, or you called them the sub well, yeah, offshoots groups. Offshoots groups. Yeah. Because I find that one of the cornerstones of the collaboration and coordination is when we have a bond, like a bond of the same teams that we like. Yeah. Uh, but we also have that when it comes to charity or philanthropy that really allows us to have a common pursuit and bonds a company with an impact. Yeah. And I think the impact is sitting right in front of us. The impact is, is inside our companies. So uh, there's a qu quick story. There's a, a, a um, kind of a parable 
a truck driver is driving eight hours a day down the road and he's all day long figuring out what's my purpose, what's my purpose in life. Eight hours a day, you know, agonizing over his purpose. Tree falls down in the middle of the road. He walks to the back of his truck. There's a line of cars, walks to the back of his truck, grabs his chainsaw, cuts the tree up, puts it in pieces, moves it away, gets back in his truck and drives away thinking about what his purpose. His purpose is really is what he just did through his work. And so that's what I think. I think, you know, the philanthropy, we can have philanthropy, we can have fulfillment, we can have growth, we can have development through work. And I personally believe that our calling in life is to help other people in their life. So it's really an upside down framework. And when we do that, we need to build an organizational structure that enables people to think and build others up on the team. And that starts working all the way down, every single layer. If we have people in an organization that are all focused on how we help others grow, we start seeing an organization grow. That also incorporates what I mentioned with earned success. We can't just, we can't hold everybody's hand the whole time. We gotta challenge them. So I think we need to create a culture inside the organization and our philanthropy, our charity, is what we do every single day. And sometimes it's staring us right in the eyes or it's right, right under our nose and it's our work that gives us the opportunity to realize our potential. And um, building that into the framework, into the DNA of the organization is key. That's really what we want to do. It's just looking at work differently. It's so funny because in its simplest form, blendification allows people to do two things, the two things that elevate. And the two things that elevate is either helping somebody get to where they want to be or asking someone to help you get to where you want to be. And that's either personally or professionally in the activity that we get paid for, which is about a third of our life and the activity that we don't get paid for, which is about a third of our life. And of course, (laughs) sleeping is the other third. So uh, blendification allows us to have a weighted balance that's aligned, synergistic and supplementary to a common goal, which bonds us into passion, into purpose. And believe it or not, data sells me profitability. Yeah. That's the fuel, isn't it? It certainly is. And you do such a wonderful job. Anybody interested in blendification, just reach out to Dan Bruder. He is the founder, CEO of Blendification, author, coach, advisor. You got to check him out. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs, The Playbook.